0: My name is Walter Kawai'ai'a, your host for Ukulele Songs of Hawaii. Today's episode is titled 40 Years of Territorial Airwaves. And joining me today is my special guest, the mastermind behind 40 Years of Territorial Airwaves, the albino Blala, Hawaiian himself. How about a warm welcome for Mr. Harry B. Sawyer Jr., Aloha and welcome, Harry B. Hi, Walter. It's great to be here. First good, time. Good to have you and uh, big mahalo for taking the time out of your very busy and hectic schedule to <laughs> join me here at Ukulele Songs of Hawaii. So, Harry, 2019 marks 40 years.
1: It does. Luckily, I was just a child when we started. Oh, just a child, I yeah, yeah, see. Yeah, But uh-huh.
0: yeah. well, you still look good, Harry. Thank you. Yep. So, How how did all this
1: get started for you? Well, uh, I was listening to KCCN 1420 AM radio, Honolulu Skylark. I was really enjoying her midday show. And I was uh, working in an office in the Bishop Trust building, which is uh, now right across from Pioneer Plaza. And they had just moved from Waikiki to Pioneer Plaza in 78. So uh, I started uh, winning trivia contests. And, uh, and then she started interviewing me. And then, because I always knew the answer to every <laughs> vintage trivia question she was asking, because I would just call up my father say, uh-huh. Dad, they're asking this question. What's the answer? A cheating, I see. Well, you know, he was in his 80s. And so, uh, yeah, I, I always won. And so um, we started the show on June thirteenth, nineteen 1979. Uh, and we just continued to go. And technologically, we kept uh, changing because, uh, you know, I know this uh, show is about technology as well. Uh, we started bringing the actual 78 RPM records in, placing them on the turntable, okay. changing the needles and the speeds, <laughs> and playing those records live over the radio. Because in those days, ACCN played 33 and 45 RPM records on the right. turntables with, right. with the 33 needles. So I brought in 78 RPMs from the 30s and 40s, and it, the show just took off because people hadn't heard that music except the old timers mm-hmm. who right. wanted to hear that music again. So so
0: I guess we could say 40 years ago, and even as we, you've moved through the generations of time, Um, this music is being introduced, like, right
1: now. Yeah. There are a lot of young people out there that would be hearing this kind of music for the first time. Well, a quick way to answer that is, uh, when I started, we did interviews, and then uh, after seven years, Keomiki Akui came in and Skylark went off to the Big Island, and uh, we were asked, what's going to happen to Territorial Airways when its listeners pass away and because so many of them were elderly. And you know, Miki said, gee, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, when they're gone, what are we going to do? But what in reality happened is now we have an entire generation mm-hmm. of people who were born after we started the show. They're in their 20s and 30s, and they're our biggest fans. Really? They, oh, yeah. We have. Uh, Ryotia Helm uh, put put a Territorial Airways generated song on her latest CD. Uh, The Falsetto Trio Nahoa. Oh yes, they put a song. uh, They took a song from Territorial Airways and put it on their latest CD. So it's we're having that effect that we had with the brothers Casimero and Peter Moon a generation ago. They were using music they heard on Territorial Airways and rehashing it.
0: So I guess it would be very appropriate to say that uh, territorial airwaves has stepped into the educational realm, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I We're, mean, when you mention names like Raiatea and Nahoi, I know these, we all know these people yeah, and their yeah. age. So they, they, without territorial airwaves, that generation
1: would, have, would be clueless yes. to the sounds of the territory. And back in the day, we just broadcast on AM radio, which was Honolulu, Oahu, oh, yes. Uh, some places that couldn't get reception. And then we would um, go to part of Kauai, you know, straight line across the water. But other than that, for 20 years, that's my audience. And then suddenly the internet comes up Mm -hmm. and we start doing podcasts. I now have on my website, uh, seven years and counting of weekly shows in a podcast on demand form. And so we went to my wife and I went to Paris, we go every year, and this year we flew to Rome to see some dancers she's influenced there. And they throw a party for us, a reception, and they hire a band in Rome that plays Hawaiian music. <laughs> so they're so excited and we finally meet them on the break and they said, Oh, we've learned everything, including our steel guitar and our papaholi songs from listening to TerritorialAirways.com. That's that in Rome,
0: Italy. That's, isn't that something? Yeah. So how were they getting that? I mean, were, were you broadcasting? You know, at what point in time would people be able to pick through the podcast,
1: I'm assuming, the, that they would be able to pick this up? It's, uh, actually, we're using on-demand technology. Okay. So on our uh, website, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they can go in, look up I a see. show or an artist that they're interested in, click on it and they'll start it no matter what time or place they're at. It, it, it wow. is on demand. So technology has really helped you to expand the viewership. We now, our, our metrics tell us that we have more listeners in our 40th year than we've had in Hawaiian Islands. Really? Yeah, in, the, in terrestrial radio.
0: Yeah. Wow. You mentioned something earlier that in the early days of territorial airwaves, you Uh were just on on the AM side. Yes. So that limited the broadcast just within the state of Hawaii. Right. Particularly to the neighbor islands. Uh, At what point did territorial airwaves go FM and Uh, making it capable for the neighbor islands to pick up?
1: Good question. That was in the 20th year, and we went to Hawaiian 105, K-I-N-E, FM, 105.1. And suddenly, we could be heard on Maui, uh, parts of the Big Island, uh, as well as Kauai and so forth. So we had uh, different coverage; it was a little wider. But again, the breakthrough was when, in the early 2000s, we started streaming. So I had wow. I had people that were listening live at midnight or the five to six a.m. Oh, excuse me, five to six p.m. afternoon uh, Sundays show uh from here you know from Honolulu was 5 to I 6 see. p.m but in New York City it was Correct. 11 to midnight right, right and they would stay up on a Sunday night and have to work the next Why? morning because they had to get their fix of uh of territorial I airways sorry. <laughs> and, so yeah and going. then I think the uh the podcast concept came up about 2006 we started I doing on-demand shows I mean this I mean the.
0: Technological advancements that we've experienced over the last 20 years has really helped to gain, you know, push things forward with this kind of music and and what you're doing.
1: Oh, yeah. My my dad used to say, you know, Harry, uh, in the the 80s, he would say, you know, my show in the 1930s, Voice of Hawaii, was on KGU and NBC, and we would be broadcasting uh, to NBC. Uh, nationwide, uh, the continental United States and Canada. You need to do that. Can't you hook up with shortwave? I said, Well, Dad, they don't, really don't have shortwave uh, available <laughs> anymore, but uh, I'll keep looking. And then he died in 1990, and not long after that, the internet started. You know, wow. that became available, I should say. It's too bad Dad couldn't have been here I to, know, to witness he that. But well, yes. speaking of Dad,
0: um, want to diverse for a little bit and have you tell our viewership a little bit about your obviously you have DNA Yep. when it comes to radio and it does it only go back to dad or does it go further back than that
1: goes back to grandpa
0: grandpa Uh, so maybe we can have our engineers throw a picture number one I think there's grandpa right there there. yeah
1: Harry Gilman Soria Harry G Soria and uh, he became one of or the first radio solicitor in Honolulu, with the first radio station, KGU. And he started uh, uh, in the late 20s, early 30s. Uh, and he was the right-hand man to Marion Mulroney, who owned and operated um, KGU. And they were in the Advertiser Building. Uh, the, that, this is now um, uh, Hawaiian Dredging, I think, is in yes, there. Yes, yes. And um, that beautiful building. So they were on the third floor, the entire third floor. And KGU was the biggest and first radio station and very dominant in Honolulu. So a uh, grandfather was doing that. And then dad got the bug. And he was, of course, a young man. And so what he did is he got a fake name, Hal Browning. There he is. That's dad. Yeah. And he's broadcasting at KGU there. But when he first started, he was Hal Browning on KGMB, the smaller station. And he basically uh, became so famous that his father said, hey, you got to come over to my station, I'll market you. <laughs> so he brought him over and he started making shows like Going to Town with Harry B. Soria and uh, you know all these things. So suddenly, dad was a radio personality before there were radio personalities in Honolulu.
0: I'll say, so grandpa, grandfather, Harry G. Soria, yeah. was
1: not a broadcast personality. No, he was sales and marketing. Sales and marketing. Yeah, he sold what they call time, which is, uh, you know, if a, if a laundry or toothpaste company right. wanted to sponsor a show, they, he would sell them, and they, you'd, you'd hear, um, uh, this is so-and-so tooth powder. Hour, you know. So was he
0: kind of the, the pioneer in that in Hawaii with regards to soliciting? Uh, yeah, he was. Time? He
1: was the biggest salesperson at that wow. time for advertising. There was only two stations, and he because he was uh, Kamaaina, he uh, got all the big accounts, wow. you know, and he knew all these people. So yeah, and so he set his son up to be a personality. They, he was basically selling time using his son as creating this uh, star, radio star?
2: Well,
0: I, wanna, I want our uh, viewership to hear some of the music. So I'm going to ask our engineers to, if they could put up uh, that first song, and we'll hear about, for about a minute or so, My Wahini and Me. and. I'm going to guess, I want to see if our viewership can guess the voice on this, so if...
1: Oh, that's so obscure, I don't think anybody's <laughs> alive today that'll Anybody remember. alive today,
0: so yeah. if we can get that song up, it's called My Wahini and Me.
3: This tropical oil has done its work well We paused for a while, and under its spell, I fell for her, she fell for me, now we're part of the sea. chances are that you won't be far from my Wahine and me we're roaming around in the highlands we're walking along by the sea we're here we're there or we're
0: Oh, that, I mean, that really, when you hear that kind of music, it yes. just takes you back to a, a bygone era, literally, yep. and yep. it's so indicative of the time. So I, I thought... Uh, how does, does Don McDermott senior have anything to do with that? uh, Well, he was leading
1: the orchestra, he was leading leading the the band and he was playing clarinet. And the, uh, singer was Gilmer Sean, a tenor that was very popular in Hawaii at the time. And, uh, the records were made, uh, basically in the 1940s, about 46. And the scheme was that they would make records that would be available for hula dancers. So they made the company, the label for 78 RPM records as Hula. And then uh, as 20 years went by, suddenly, um, or actually more like 15 years, um, his son, Don Jr., uh, made a company that put out 33 and a thirds and called it Hula Hula Records, Records. the same company. And then grandson Flip, he continued that uh, Hula Records. Gosh,
0: so that, but you and Flip, uh, we're all about
1: the same age, aren't we?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's a generation gap because you, you mentioned earlier that you were close with Flip's father.
1: Well, uh, I, my, my father was pals with Don McDermott I who made this recording. And then he had a son, Don Jr., who later did the Hula, the Hula, Records, Hula Records 33s. But the guy who's closest to my age is uh, Flip or Don the Third? Don the Third. And so there was a generation skip because my father and I were just two generations, but the McDermott's were three generations, <laughs> and and that that is because when I was born, the firstborn, my father was forty three and my mother was twenty four. I see. So, okay, so, so we, well, we we got a lot
0: of stories <laughs> and I got a lot of questions to ask Harry, but we're going to take a break, about a sixty minute break, and we'll be back with Ukulele Songs of Hawaii and our guest, Mr. Harry B. Saria Jr., 40 Years of Territorial Airwaves.
1: Hi, I'm Rusty Komori, host of Beyond the Lines on ThinkTech Hawaii. My show is based on my book, also titled Beyond the Lines, and it's about creating a superior culture of excellence, leadership, and finding greatness. I interview guests who are successful in business, sports, and life, which is sure to inspire you in finding your greatness. Join me every Monday as we go beyond the lines at 11 a.m. Aloha. Hey, aloha, my name is Andrew Lanning. I'm the host of Security Matters Hawaii, airing every Wednesday here on Think Tech Hawaii, live from the studios. I'll bring you guests, I'll bring you information about the
3: things in security that matter to keeping you safe, your coworkers safe, your family safe,
1: to keep our community safe, uh, we want to teach you about those things in our industry that, you know, may be a little outside of your experience. So please join me, because security matters. Aloha.
0: Aloha, and welcome back. Uh, just before the break, Harry was giving us a uh, background. Let me see if I got this right. Uh, <laughs> Your dad was 43, your mom was 24 when they had you, is that right?
1: Yeah. Okay, see, I I do remember. Yeah, we, uh, so by the time I started Territorial Airways in 79, I was 29 and uh, Jacqueline uh, Rosetti Lindsay was um, 24. We were kids (laughs) playing 78 RPMs. Uh, It was totally obscure and new to her, but I had my father as my technical consultant and he was old enough to be my grandfather so he could answer any trivia question of the old because he had worked in radio and music and he knew all the musicians from those days wow so
0: it just fell into your it fell into your hands literally it did i mean you have i you know i've heard you know over the years that harry has this vast collection of 78s. I mean, just how extensive is it, if you don't mind my asking? Uh,
1: No, I don't. Uh, We have over 10,000 Hawaiian records. 10,000? 10,000. In my home uh, up in Manoa, we have uh, two large shelves with what we call the working collection. Half is 78 RPM, and the other half is 33 and a third. And the 45s are in storage, and the rest of all the records are there as well. But we have thousands right there in the living room.
0: Oh, In the recording business, so we, we 78s come before 45s, is that correct? That's right. So we went from 78s and then the industry went to 45s. Yes. And then from 45s, we went to 33 and a third yes. LPs. That's long approximately playing
1: That's how it went. Yeah.
0: How it went. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I can remember growing up as a kid uh, in our own home. I mean, a lot of 45s, a lot yeah. of LPs. Yeah. But mom and, and them had uh, 70. I have to tell you this story because you're going to appreciate this. So. Uh, Harry knows my association with uh, the legend Kahau on the Lake. Right. And in my younger days, uh, this is when George and I were going for lessons. One yeah. day, Kahau Anu, the original uh, Lake Trio, yeah. uh, recorded on a seventy-eight. Yes. And they and it was so one one side I think it was Nani Venusi and the other side I, I can't remember the song. Pulilia. Pulilia. Oh, see, Harry's got the memory. <laughs> That's why he's in the business. Anyway, so after that Saturday morning's lesson, he gives me the 78 with my ukulele, and George and I decided to go surfing down at Sandy's. Oh, boy. And guess what I did? Left it in the sun. I left uh, my ukulele as well as the 78 in my trunk. I mean, I was only 15, 16 years old, not Harry. Good, not a good idea. Not a good idea. Well, guess, can you imagine what I found, you know, six hours later when... We are through swimming and surfing. A warped record. A warped. It was literally like a flower, just yep. the vinyl. And my ukulele, the bridge had ripped right off. Oh. Yes, and I, I, I well, anyway, that's a show. That's a show. Yeah. Another day we'll finish yes. that story. I got a couple of questions I want to ask. Sure. I mean, your background with your grandfather <laughs> and your father. you know, you got the marketing side of radio. You've got the collection from your father and his mm. experience as a personality on radio back in the territorial days. What, how would you say, if I ask you a question, how were you influenced by my grandfather and father in the work that you do now?
1: Well, grandfather became a 33rd degree uh, mason, uh, which there's very few, Kalakawa was one as well. And uh, one of the biggest things about them is they do these memorizations and oratory. Oh. They give these speeches, which and if they become proficient enough, they, they elevate 32nd, 33rd, and so forth, these degrees. Well, that was grandfather. He was a very good speech maker. And then dad got into radio, and he was very good at, as a, um, he could be doing uh, remote broadcasts, you know, and, and he got a lot of hats at KGU. He was very proficient, and he was also very good uh, in following in the Masonic Temple. Well. When I was uh, between 8 and 10 years old, um, I started listening to my transistor radio. And I got (laughs) fascinated by radio and the fact that I could go with dad to the stations that he was uh, connected with in the 1950s. So he bought me a tape recorder. Well, he brought a used tape recorder home, actually. And uh, it was a, a desktop. And he showed me how to operate it. You know, I'm not even 10 years old yet. And he says, "Okay, this is how you do it. This is the mic. You go ahead and make radio shows, make adventure shows, and do the sound effects, and I'll listen to each one you make. So I would do it. You know, sometimes my friends would help me. He'd listen to it and and critique me. And he told me later that no son of mine is going to have mic fright. (laughs) He wanted me to get so used to the sound of my own voice uh, that I wouldn't be intimidated by a microphone. That influenced me because I started, uh, you know, being in the talent contest in the uh, singing in the school uh, events, you know, in elementary school. You became the MC. Uh, No, I was more of a uh, appearing with my friend and singing songs. Really? Yeah.
0: Would you like to sing for us now, Harry? No, oh, not okay. at
1: all. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, eventually, uh, after high school, I got in a blues rock band, and we joined the musicians' union. We played all the big halls, you know, in the HIC, NBC, uh, uh, White Key Shell, all this stuff, and we went all the way through that freshman year at UH until the end. And then we all decided to go to the mainland and continue our education up there. And so the group just broke up. Oh my gosh. But we had a year and so I I had a lot of Mike. and at that time I was the MC as well as the lead singer. What you saying here? I know it's it, I'll show you a picture oh, sometime. I got to see that. And and then when I came back, I got jobs and I'm doing my thing and then in 79, which was just basically uh 10 years after I was a um, lead singer. Suddenly, I was swept into radio, where I've been ever since.
0: Well, thank goodness you were swept into radio for, for all of us <laughs> and for all of Hawaii. We could sit here and talk all day with Harry, or a wealth of information, but I want our engineers to cue up this song uh, for, from our second half music collection, and this one is by Andy Cummings. Oh. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were very close to Andy. Uh, Yes. To get my uh, position at Hawaiian Airlines back in 1971, I had to be interviewed for the sales job. Then I had to come back the next day and play in front of Andy, who ran the promotion team. Yeah. So if our engineers can cue up that song, Waikiki.
1: His signature tune. His signature tune. Yeah. Yeah, he was quite a guy, wasn't he? Oh.
2: A dog It's a feeling Night when the shadows are falling, I hear your rolling surf calling, calling and calling to me. Why, Kiki, tis My thoughts are always returning Out there to you Across the sea Your tropic nights And your wonderful charms Are ever in my memory And I recall When I held in my arms an angel sweet and heavenly white, kiki, my whole life.
0: That sure, brings back what you know memories when you hear voices like that, Mr. Andy oh, yeah. Cummings, and yeah. the influence that he had on Hapa Hali music. Oh, yeah. he was, you know, I had to, like I said earlier, I had a chance to play music
1: with him on tour yeah. at Hawaiian Airlines, and he was a musician. He, he knew, was amazing. He, these, he was amazing. When I had him on territorial airwaves, I mentioned my father's story that he had told me that he had made up jingles on the spot for hot point appliances, and they would drive around the island on the back of a, a, a pickup truck, you know, a flatbed truck, go into uh, Eva, and Andy would sing these songs he just made up. So 40 years later, I interview him on Territorial Airways, and I mention the story. He sings the whole jingle. He had a <laughs> photographic memory. He just made up that for the day, and he still remembered he the whole song.
0: Yeah. And he used to do that for companies all across the, the, the globe oh, yeah. for Hawaiian Airlines. Yeah, yeah. When, and he when never asked. forgot
1: a song. He never song. forgot the
0: jingles. Yeah, yeah. He never yeah. forgot them. I got to ask you, And <clears throat> so 40 years of territorial airwaves. And tell us about, tell our viewers about a big gala event that's coming up oh, next yeah. month.
1: And that's s- Friday, June 14th at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel Monarch Room. We have uh, all kinds of artists: Raiatea Helm, Nahoa Okena, Alan Kaka and his Islanders, and uh, Kimo Keolana and his Lehulu. And it's uh, going to be a sumptuous buffet dinner, uh, a wonderful evening, silent auction of vintage Hawaiian items, and it's all for our nonprofit that ha- now owns my collection, which is called Hawaiian Music Archives Foundation so
0: tell our viewers for those that are interested i'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this that would like to how do they how do they get tickets
1: to go to this Ah, good question go to territorialairwaves.com and click on the red tickets button okay
0: you got that territorialairwaves.com and the red ticket button well harry thank you so much for being uh taking the time out and being with us and sharing such a wealth of information back in the Territory. Yeah. And we qualify. We're Territory Babies, aren't we? Oh, I'm, I'm over the hill. I'm 70. Oh, you're 70. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you are older than me. So, <laughs> yes, Uncle. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time, Harry. And big mahalo for all of our viewers out there. And uh, we'll be back um, in two weeks with more from Ukulele Songs of Hawaii. I'm your host, Walter Kabaiaia. And for now, aloha no.